Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. I'm Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, and I'm about ready to get slimed after our super wild card win on Nickelodeon this weekend. Ah! <laughs> Man. Now, John, that's probably more of a visual clip, so folks will definitely want to visit Saints Wire to see the video of Sean Payton getting slimed, but you can still hear it on the audio side. That splat of the bucket of green Nickelodeon slime getting dumped right on the top of Sean Payton's noggin. And I guess if we're leading off the show this week with a Sean Payton getting slimed clip, it was a uh, good wild card weekend for the Saints, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. That, that's a, a great leadoff hitter for us um, to, to start with. No doubt. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure Sean Payton may have expected that was how his evening was going to, <laughs> going to end. Uh, I think he would have taken the uh, the Jordan 11s off first. Um, but Seriously, it is what yes. it is. And yeah, I mean, he and I'm sure he'll have a lot of fun um, getting that neon green Nickelodeon slime out of his uh, clothes, shoes, and hair for the next few days. Well, he is a good sport. There's no sport like Sean Payton, man. And the Nickelodeon thing is interesting. Now, John, now I don't have kids, and I probably haven't watched Nickelodeon in like 25 years, in all seriousness. So I, I don't even know where the Nickelodeon station is on my YouTube TV. I don't even know if I could have found it. So I was watching the broadcast on the normal broadcast, but I was on Twitter the whole time. And the Nickelodeon thing was huge. Like you, you could, I could barely follow along with all the normal people I would follow during the game because of all the Nickelodeon tweets. So this was something that was very, very well received across the nation was the Saints and the Bears getting kind of simulcasted on Nickelodeon with the slime and all the animations and young Sheldon and all that. Yeah, it was great. Um, I watched the Nickelodeon broadcast with my 11-year-old. She had a blast. Um, she was very engaged the whole time. Um, it was a lot of fun just seeing how they worked in all of the, the animations and the ex, the uh, explainers for the kids for all, all the, the rules of football and all, all this stuff. Um, ha- having young Sheldon on as our uh, Nickelodeon rules analyst it was an inspired choice. <laughs> um, but it, it was a blast. And, you know, it, it was very fun in a way that a lot of NFL broadcasts are not always fun. Like, yeah, the, yeah, the product is great. Uh, the sport is tremendous to, to watch um but it's almost too buttoned up at times and it's almost too self-serious and i think that they they really played into you know, some of the ridiculous aspects of this like um watching frame by frame by frame to see if the receiver uh juggles the ball a little bit after he's gone out of bounds to decide if it's a catch or not Just, yeah they, they really risk on that at times and that, that was great to see and i hope that we'll, we'll get to see more perspectives like this in the, in the future. I don't know that everyone is going to want to see SpongeBob on uh, 
on, on the field uh, weekend, week out. But it, it was a fun experience, and I'm glad that the NFL did this, and I'm glad that you know fa- families uh, across the country got, got the, the opportunity to uh, uh, watch a game together. It almost kept me engaged during the first half because I don't know about you, John, but after hours and hours and hours of playoff football with this extra playoff game, three on Saturday, three on Sunday, by around halftime of the Bears-Saints game, which was kind of you know, a slog in that first half. It's seven to three at halftime. I like, I needed like a seventh cup of coffee to get, I was kind of like, it was football fatigue at that point. And I found myself latching on to the social media stuff and the Nickelodeon stuff and all that. And I think it's because just nothing really surprised me at all in this Saints Bears game. I knew this was a really favorable draw. We talked about that last week. You know, the Bears defense had come in struggling. So I knew even though the Saints had a bunch of guys getting back in the lineup and I did feel like it would take some time for them to get clicking. I thought after four quarters, we'd see that play out and they'd win the game. And we just know that this Bears offense, they can't do anything if they can't establish the run game first and do the whole bootleg with Mitchell Trubisky and throw it downfield to Allen Robinson, right? If you can't establish the run, the Bears have nothing. They just don't have anything. And we know it's hard to establish the run against the Saints. You just can't do that, especially when the Saints know that Matt Nagy and the Bears are terrified of their quarterback, right? And I thought the Bears' only chance in this game was to hand the keys to Trubisky and pray. Right? Maybe that's not a good idea, John, is to hand the keys to Trubisky. But I thought that was their only shot. But instead, it seemed like they just came out, kind of did what they always do. And they missed some opportunities in the first half. And once the Saints got it rolling in the third quarter, it was over. So I think there was just nothing really surprised me in this game at all. I thought the Saints would start slow. And I thought the Bears would eventually just get run over. And that's kind of how it worked out. But were you surprised by anything? I was surprised that the Saints offense started out so slowly. Um, I know that the Bears have a good defense. They've got a good defensive coordinator in Chuck Pagano. Um, they've got great personnel on that side of the ball. A ton of former Saints uh, players on that side of the ball. Um, and Ty Teo made, made a cameo this week. Good for I, him. Was, I was surprised um, he was still in the league. I had no idea Teo was still out there. Well, he wasn't. Uh, Manti, uh, Manti, I've been following his his, uh, his semi-post-football career a bit here. Um, he had gone, gone back home in Hawaii, and he, he's been working on his uh, real, realtor license um, over the offseason. Uh, he, he was with the Saints last in 2019. Um, as a backup there uh, coming in late in the season. So he, he's been he's been ready to, you know, move into the next stage of his career and just a few where things go. But, I mean, the NFL comes call, comes calling and the, the, the game checks are pretty valuable. And so he, he was happy to come back and incidentally play against his former team. So, so good, good for Anti Teo, uh, saying act about there. So what, what really surprised me, though, even knowing that the Bears have a good defense, a good D.C., a good – um, good personnel. I was still surprised that the Saints struggled a bit. I mean, they, they had to punt on their opening possession. Uh, took Michael Thomas. He had a solid first game back, five catches, 73, uh, 78 yards, 73 yards, whatever it was, and a TD. Um, but Deontay Harris was their leading player on offense, and that was re- very interesting to me. Um, the Saints, this, this season, they've gone as far as their, their O-line and as far as Alvin Kamara Mara has taken them. And so they really did not lean on Kamara this time around. They, they seemed to make an effort to get Deontay Harris and Michael Thomas more involved um, in their first game back from in, the injured reserve list. And I think that they rewarded the Saints for that. So th- things did seem to settle down in, in the second half. I know that the Bears had that garbage time um, touchdown drive with, with time expiring. And uh, credit to Jimmy Graham for g- getting a – that, that magnificent leaping one-handed it's catch in the catch. end zone. It was a hell of a catch. Hell of a catch. And immediately running to the locker room so he could fly out of town. Um, <laughs> he's done. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> so, like, oh, good night. Bye. 
That was fun. Good times. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, get, get me out. Uh, the, the pilot has uh, left the station. So I've, I've seen a lot of chatter that kind of disappointed that the Saints didn't look more more dominant in this game. But we were a couple of inches away from this one finishing with a score of 28 to three. Um, if, if Breeze does not, if Breeze breaks the plane on that that touchdown leap that he did on fourth down uh, late late in the contest. Uh, the Bears probably don't have enough time to drive all, all the way down because, I mean, they had to go 99 yards in under a minute as it was. So this one could have been even more lopsided than the 21-9 than the uh, final score. So, you know, I, I think there's plenty to be encouraged about. Uh, the Saints defense playing as well as they did is very encouraging. I mean, even the garbage time numbers aside, uh, they posted the lowest <clears throat> in, in, in team playoff history. They yielded the fewest total yards the fewest first downs, and the fewest points allowed in Saints postseason history against the Chicago Bears. So that is something they can hang their hats on. That is something they can point to when they get ready to prepare for Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers this week. I think that's a lot to be encouraged about. And knowing that they have a defense that can, that can you know, hold its own, that can uh, pull its own weight, that takes a lot of pressure off of the offense. And now guys like Michael Thomas and Deontay Harris and Alvin Kamara, they don't feel – the need to put the put the game on their shoulders as heavily as they have before, and I think that's really going to pay off uh, here here in the divisional round. Yeah, I think the defense was probably the number one positive, and as you're just saying, John, Bears go one for ten on third down. They only had eleven first downs in the entire game. <laughs> that is just unbelievable. Yeah, they did not convert a third down until the two minute warning. At, at, is that at, right? At okay, the end there of it the is. Quarter. Yeah, there they, it they is. went they went fifty eight minutes without converting a third down. Right, and then they go for one fourth down, and Mitchell Trubisky runs out of bounds short of the yard marker, and everyone's just shaking their heads. It's like, what what are you doing? So, yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's a, a fair critique, though, of the Saints, right? Did they capitalize too much on the Bears just being the Bears, right? Just being probably the worst team that qualified for the playoffs, and that includes Washington. Like, you know, Javon Wims did drop a wide-open touchdown pass from Trubisky on that little trick play, right? That So the Saints caught a big-time break there because – the Bears are the Bears, and they just can't catch the ball, John, when it's right in your bread basket in the end zone. Unbelievable. We talked about Trubisky scrambling out of bounds short of the marker. When you run out of bounds for the first down on fourth down, John, you better get there. You better dive or do something. Trubisky just runs out of bounds like it's a you know, a first and ten in the first quarter or something. So, and, you know, you just wonder, did the Saints capitalize on the Bears just being the Bears when – it almost felt like the Saints could easily have been trailing at halftime, maybe by a couple scores, the way that game played out. I mean, we also had the Taysom Hill fumble thing where he's trying to drop. Why was Taysom Hill dropping back like he's Drew Brees with no play-action fake at all? Like, that that confused me, and all of a sudden it's a fumble and the Bears get the turnover, but what happens? They kick a field goal. They don't, they don't take advantage of it because they're the Bears. So I think that's a fair critique, right? Like, the Saints kind of hung on early because the Bears are the Bears, and they found themselves late. And the Saints, they didn't take a lot of risks in this game, and the Bears did not take advantage of that by coaching scared all game. Um, you know, 100%, yes. They, they, they didn't. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think they ever, I think everyone got what they deserved in this one, um, including a win for the Saints for, you know, not maybe showing all of their tricks uh, here in the wild card round. Maybe save some things for later. Um, I don't think it's an accident that uh, Marquez Callaway and Emmanuel Sanders did not get a lot of targets in this game. I, I think that this was an opportunity for Sean Payton and the Saints to put some things on film that maybe haven't been seen this year with with some of those design touches to Deontay Harris and to kind of force the Bucks to have to plan for those guys uh, here in the divisional round. And that may, be, that may take some attention away 
from players we know that have a good chemistry with Drew Brees, and they have that connection, like uh, Manny Sanders, like Marcus Callaway, the rookie, um, like Alvin Kamara, who, again, you know, we didn't see a lot of passes to AK in the flat, which we saw that 83 times this, <laughs> this, this year. Mm. So um, he had 83 catches in the regular season, just, just to be clear about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think there's plenty of things to nitpick. There's plenty of things to improve upon. There's plenty of critiques available here. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Saints won a, a playoff game that they may have struggled with in, in other years. And I think this, I think we should feel very optimistic about that and should have Saints fans feeling great going into the divisional round. Should they fear the Bucks for a third time when they're facing the Bucks for a third time, a team that they have manhandled twice? Should they want to see the Bucks again? And should they fear this team a little bit more? because of that whole thing. The Bucks playing much better football than they were the first couple times. John and I will get into that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by Jeff Clark to break down the NFC Divisional Round game this weekend between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints. The Saints, three-and-a-half-point home favorites, minus 105 odds to win by at least four points. The Bucks getting three-and-a-half points on the road, minus 115 odds for them to cover. Jeff, who are you taking in the battle? of Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Give me Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. I'll lay the three and a half. Uh, This is shaping up to be a pros versus Joes game with more of the money coming in on the Saints, but more of the tickets or bets being placed around the Buccaneers. The money column is generally the sharp side. Also, I think the Saints are a more well-rounded team. uh, Michael Thomas is the reigning offensive player of the year. Alvin Kamara is in the conversation for 2020 offensive player of the year. And their defense, I believe, is more stout than Tampa Bay's. I'm on the other side of that. Give me the Bucks with the points. I think they, even, they may even win outright, plus 140 money line bet. Brady looked great last week against a very good Washington pass rush. He'll have a little bit easier time against the Saints this week. Give me the Bucks. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I guess you spent most of your career figuring you would never meet Tom Brady in a playoff game unless it was the Super Bowl. Is it... uh pretty remarkable to, to, to get that third matchup in this new rivalry already next week. Yeah, uh, don't take it for granted. Um, very appreciative and, 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 uh, of the opportunity. And listen, the minute the minute that he signed with the Bucs and came in the division, you know, you felt like you know, that was going to be a team to contend with. That was going to be a team that um, had playoff aspirations and beyond, uh, just like us. Um, so I guess it was inevitable. It was absolutely inevitable, John. We knew it. We just knew it when Tom Brady became a Buccaneer that this was going to happen, that it was going to be Bucks saints battling for that division title. And it's so fitting that here they are, second weekend of the playoffs, Breeze, 
Brady, right? Breeze going probably his last season, trying to go out on top with his second championship. We all want Breeze to get that second title. He deserves it. He's come close down the road, and he's going to try to do it, or at least advance and keep that thing alive against the best postseason winner in NFL history in Tom Brady. But, you know, it's Tom Brady and the Bucks, and this is a much different team. The Bucks are, they're the Bucks, right? And we saw that in week one when the Saints put a whooping on them. And we definitely saw that in week nine when the Saints just completely destroyed the Bucks, 38-3. But there's that freaking adage about, oh, you, it's hard to beat a team three times. And I think in this case in point, it is a little bit, right? Because it's going to be hard to see the Saints just dominate a team that's as talented as the Bucks for a third straight time. You have to think that it's going to be much more of a dogfight this time around, especially with the way Brady and the Bucks are playing as of late, right? What's your leadoff thought, John, on Brady, Breeze, Saints, Bucks, round three? Yeah, so I think it's going to be a tough matchup just because the, the Bucks are a tough team. Um, I don't really buy into the idea that it's tough to beat a team three times in one year because it's not. Uh, if, you go, if you go back and look at you know NFL archives, look at the records, look at the, the stats in the in league history, teams in the Saints' position, and I, and I got this from a football perspective, Chase Stewart, 17 teams have been in the Saints' position right now where they're the home team hosting a squad that they beat twice in the regular season. In those 17 games, the home team, where the Saints are now, went 12-5. and five. Uh, that's a win percentage of uh, 706. Um, and as it turns out, if you can beat a team twice, you can probably beat them three times. That, that's much easier than to upset a team after you already lost twice in a row. And so th- th- there's two schools of thought here. One of them would be that, okay, you look at that high win percentage and you think, okay, this is going to be a cakewalk. We know what to do. It's going to be all right. On the other hand, I mean, th- these are two very good teams, and it's hard to win in the playoffs no matter who you're facing. You get to the divisional round in the playoffs. It means that you're a good squad. It means that you've got, you've won a lot of football games. It means that you know how to win week in and week out against different kinds of opponents playing different brands of football. It means that you've got great stats like point differential. It means that you, you know to avoid turning the ball over. All, all of these things that factor into playing winning football. And the Bucks can do that. The Saints can do that. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Saints can, that, that we, we should just uh, put the mortgage on the Saints because uh, the, the Bucks are a good team. They could very well win this week, um, and they're, but they're not going to win just because the Saints have gotten away with beating them twice already. So I think it's going to be closer than what we've seen before. I don't know that I don't know that I'm going to call for the Saints to lose this one just because we've seen them play so well against uh, Tampa Bay before, um, and I know that runs against everything I just said. But if you, if you just go back and look, the, thing, the things the Saints did are are sustainable. Uh, their offensive line is better than the Tampa Bay defensive line. Uh, their tackles can match up with the edge rushers in Tampa Bay. Uh, inside, they've only really got one guy in Namakan Su, and he, ha- he hasn't had a lot of success against the Saints uh, over, over the last two years. Um, the Saints secondary, they, they've got enough defensive backs to where they can match up with Chris Godwin. Uh, Mar- Marshawn Lattimore hasn't allowed a catch to Mike Evans in like four or five meetings now. I mean, I mean, he he he, he erases the guy. Yep. Um, so if you take him away, then the next thing now you're asking, okay, we need uh, Rob Gronkowski to go and have a better game against uh, Malcolm Jenkins than Jimmy Graham did last week, and that hasn't happened so far. So I, I like how the Saints match up with with the Bucks, uh, even in a vacuum. Not, not considering what happened in, in the previous two meetings. But I do think the Saints are going to win this one, and I do think it's going to be closer than we may be expecting. 
38 to three last time. 38 to three. And the thing is, is uh, with the quarterback thing, Breeze has looked real comfortable against the Bucks. To your point, how about the quarterback on the other side, John? Now Tom Brady plays his first game with the Bucks is Week One against the Saints, and he was terrible. And he played one of the worst games of his career in that Week 9 loss to the Saints. So Brady against the Saints this year, two touchdowns, five interceptions. I think he threw at least one or two pick sixes. I know it was at least one. Not so good, right? Brady against the Saints, not so good, to your point. But Brady in December and January with the Bucks has been different, right? He's thrown, I think, 12 touchdowns to one interception. He's been lighting up. Now, not the greatest defense, as he's going to be seeing a much better defense than the Saints. I know that. But Brady's definitely playing better ball. It seems like they've actually integrated Antonio Brown into the lineup, and they've kept him out of trouble, which is, a, I guess, a credit to them. I wasn't sure they were going to be able to pull that thing off. But, you know, Antonio Brown's first game with the Bucks, remember, was that Week 9 game against New Orleans, that slaughter fest where the, where the Saints won 38-3. So you just wonder, like, are the Bucks in a better spot? Is Brady playing better football? Has Brady got that team to a point where it can now – go toe-to-toe with the Saints, and win the ballgame. That's a, a really fascinating storyline to me. Like, if we see the Bucks, who are just, you know, kind of flying high right now and just come to a grinding halt again against the Saints, wow, that would be crazy impressive. It would. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think so. Um, and that, to me, that is the biggest X factor for Tampa Bay is how involved can they get Antonio Brown at this game? How, many, how often can he win his matchup in the slot with, when he's lined up with C.J. Gardner-Johnson? Um you know, he, he's had a good year for the Saints, but the receivers he has struggled with are guys who play like Antonio Brown, who run very precise routes, who can compete at the catch point, um, who are faster than him and can really take off and make a, make a move out in space. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, I think if Tampa Bay is going to uh, kind of dictate the terms in this matchup, it's going to be because they, win, they can win those battles against the Saints secondary, pick up uh, chunk plays through, through the air, the difficulty is going to be doing that in the face of the Saints pass rush. Uh, the Buccaneers uh, lost uh, starting guard um, Alex Kappa. Uh, they, they lost him to a fractured ankle. So their offensive line is going to be shorthanded, and they've had some tough games with the Saints defense this year. And so um, they're really going to have to adjust their protection calls. They've got to be better prepared. And New Orleans has got to get Trey Hendrickson back. Uh, he was the team's leader in sacks in the regular season. He tied Aaron Donald for the second most sacks in the NFL. Um, and they, they did not have him against uh, Chicago after he tweaked uh, his uh, neck injury in practice. So hopefully he can return. We'll know more as the injury report comes out closer to this game. Uh, but Hendrickson is a just a huge force for the Saints, and he has been – uh, very productive against the Bucks this year. Hopefully we can get him back because if the Saints don't have him, if they have to you know, rely on uh, edge rushers like Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport, who are a bit slower to develop their, their pass rush, then Brady's going to have time in the pocket and he's going to find holes in the Saints secondary and he's going to make plays. It's, it's fair to say, too, if the Saints come out like they did against the Bears, John, they're going to be in big trouble. They're going to have to play a lot. They're got to play much better football, especially at the jump, than they did against the Bears. And you just wonder, like, hopefully they got that rust factor. Like Michael Thomas coming off the IR, Alvin Kamara being away from the team for as long as he was, and then getting activated day of the game. He still looked pretty good out there. At least he's back. But we've talked about it all year long. Like in the broadcast was as well. The band being back together thing, right? 
we got to hope that they the band's back and they're they're kind of starting to click now going into this ball game because I think the Bucks have got their band kind of as well as they could have gotten it in a COVID season. Brady and the Bucks have their band kind of together now, and and that'll be key. Whose band is more together, John? I guess that's the that's the take here. Like that's going to be a key for me. Yeah, both squads really need a very productive week of practice. They need to stay healthy. They need to avoid losing uh, guys to the COVID list. Uh, they, they've really got to go into this thing uh, firing on all cylinders. So we'll, I think we'll have a good idea pretty pretty early in this game about who, who did a better job setting the tone this week and who had a better week of preparation. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. No doubt. So the line is Saints minus three. So uh, Vegas is just that's a cop out, John. They're just there's punting, giving Saints three for the home game. And, that, and that's it. Right there. It's basically a pick them. The Vegas doesn't want to pick a side. And I, I think, you know, I'd be surprised if there's not even money on both sides of this. It's going to be very interesting. Bucks Saints, Brady Breeze, number three. They get the super primetime game at 640 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. So, oh, man, I'm here for it. This is going to be there's no doubt there's some unbelievable matchups this weekend i'm really looking forward to like bills ravens and and even even packers rams has a tip with the way that rams defense is playing and the way they could just you know they put jalen ramsey on Devonte adams and all of a sudden we've got a game right like there's some good matchups but man i i don't know why maybe it's the brady breeze thing and you know me i'm i live out in new hampshire i'm a brady bobo so uh you know i love me some tb12 and and you've been needling a, you know needling me on that for 20 weeks now so uh but i just i can't wait for saints bucks it like I just I'm I'm a little upset that I have to watch that many games to get to it. But when kickoff rolls around on Sunday night, man, I'm that's going to be that's some good stuff right there. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, you know, Brady got his first win, his first playoff win with Tampa Bay, and now he's going for for number two. And the Saints are hoping to you know play at least one more game with Drew Brees at quarterback. So they've got to have the mentality week in and week out here in the, in the playoffs that. This could be it. This could be the last time that Breeze takes the field in a Saints jersey, uh, the last time that he he spins the football for them. So, as we mentioned earlier, they didn't necessarily pull their punches, but they didn't show everything that they had against Chicago, I think. And I really think they're going to uncork it here against Tampa Bay. And I think this is one where they're, they're not going to want to leave any doubt about which team is running the NFC South this year. I'll, I've got to take the Saints in this one, and I'll, I'll, I'll continue to needle you about the TB12 stuff if, if, if they manage to pull it off. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully John could just needle the crap out of me next week, and Saints fans might get a kick out of that. And also, before I let you go here, the, my, the tweet of the week, I thought. So I know uh, this is my favorite tweet I saw on the, over the weekend. So I know that... Uh, Saints Bears was on the Nickelodeon channel. Well, the Breeze Brady game is actually going to be broadcast on the History Channel. John, I saw that on Twitter. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. The two old men going they, at it uh, one more time. Justin, the aliens did it. Yes, yeah, it's, someone. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe it's on the History Channel, but no. So, all right, Brady Breeze Saints Bucks. It doesn't get much better than that. Sunday night, John and I will be back next week to break that thing down. Can't wait. We'll talk to y'all then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.